Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. So this uh, next three weeks, we're going to be talking about um, money and mindsets. Now, some of you think, well, why is the church talking about money? Could they just leave my money alone? And here's the thing, is that Jesus actually spoke about money more than he spoke about healing, faith, and the second coming all combined. In fact, 15% of what Jesus taught is actually focused on money. Why? Because he knows, he says this in Matthew 6, 21, he knows that where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. And you see, Jesus is actually looking for our hearts. That's why he talks about money so much. And so what I want us to do as we're talking about finances for the next few weeks, I want us to recognize that as we're talking about money, we're not simply talking about money. We're talking about the way we live our life, what we spend our lives on, not just our money on. We're talking about the way that we see God and the way that he actually is our provider, the one that provides and cares for us. It's about the way that we steward the grace that he's given us the things that he's put in our lives, the prophetic words over your lives, the way that you spend your time. It's the way that you invest your life for the sake of the king and his kingdom. Here's why I think for us as a church family, what we do with our money is really important because we believe that God has given us a call to advance the kingdom in a way that would shape culture. And I believe in this room right now, our people who are called to steward money in an incredible way that would break down barriers and strongholds that would see the kingdom of heaven advance. I believe that there are entrepreneurs and business people and creatives in here that need to be unlocked and unleashed on culture. And if we can grab what God is saying about finances, then we can grab actually God's very heart for what he's put in us so that we can see his kingdom advance. And so it's not just about money. We'll end our series talking about generosity. My goal, quite honestly, I'm not concerned about you giving more money to the church. That's not what we're talking about. Sometimes when churches talk about money, they're trying to get their hands in your back pocket. Here's what I want. I want your heart for King Jesus, and I want you to spend your lives for what really matters. Amen? All right. So would you go with me to Luke chapter 16. This whole chapter is very rich, but we're just gonna start off in verse 10. It says, the one who manages the little has, he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibility. Say greater. But those who cheat with the little will, uh, with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy. Say trustworthy. To receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with eternal, say eternal, treasures of the spiritual world? And if you have not, 
been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? It is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. He will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion. It's no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one and definitively reject the other. Did you catch what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, why would he entrust us with the very treasures of heaven if we're not willing to steward the riches that he's given to us? Here's the first mindset I want to address. Is that money doesn't really matter to God. You see, we can live in a way that separates the spiritual from the natural or the spiritual from the financial. But Jesus isn't Lord of your spiritual lives only. He's the Lord of your life. And we recognize that, that Jesus is the Lord of our life. Then what we know is that we have to bring our finances under his leadership. Here's what a religious mentality does. A religious mentality says, the Bible says that I'm supposed to tithe, so I'm gonna give God my 10% and do whatever I want with the rest. But what God is actually after is 100%. Now, I want you to know that it all actually started with him. It's his. Now you think, well, you know, I actually worked for that money. Actually, you know, I, I put in the time. I think that's my money. I'm going to give God his 10%. And then I'm going to keep the rest for me. Here's the, the problem with that thinking is that you don't recognize that the very breath in your lungs is from him. The skills, the talent, the ability, the time that you have, all of that is from him. Here's the other thing that you don't recognize when you take that mindset. Is that God actually wants to bless you. You see, he's not interested in your 10%. He wants 100% because he can put your life in, in order in such a way, put your finances in order in such a way that you can actually be a blessing to nations and generations. And so he wants to order things in the right way not to keep you broke, but so that you can prosper. Some of you are like, oh, he used that word prosper in church. I know where this is going. That's that prosperity gospel thing that I've heard about. If you believe in a gospel that doesn't prosper you, then you're not believing in the real gospel. Jesus came so that you could have life and life to the full. It's way bigger than money, but you need to get over it. God wants to prosper you. Serious. It is. It's laughable, Stevie. Like some of us have such a poverty mentality when it comes to God. Like he wants to just like make me hurt 
and he wants to just take life from me and he doesn't want to see me succeed. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying there isn't hardship and suffering in life. But I am saying that what God wants to do is he wants to prosper you in every area of your life so that you would know how good your father is and that you would experience his kindness and his goodness. Here's another mindset connected with that is that I have to work hard to earn what I have. In the kingdom, which is not like a separate place, it's actually when God is king over everything, we live in his kingdom. So it's not an afterlife, it's not a separate place, it's the the way of life we enter into when we give our lives to Jesus. In the kingdom, nothing is earned, everything is stewarded. Here's what that means. I don't earn it so that it's mine. I steward what he's entrusted to me in a way that it grows and multiplies. We'll talk about that more in a minute. So that I can give God a blessing with my life. So what we recognize is that I'm not trying to earn anything from God but I receive everything from him. And then I steward diligently and with hard work what he has entrusted to me. Some of us approach God as if he's a taskmaster. He's actually really good. He's a father. And everything you get from him, you don't get by earning, you get by inheritance. You get by the reality of your relationship And then you steward it in partnership with him. And so when we recognize that, we recognize this, that our finances are actually the kindergarten of the kingdom. That that's actually the starting place. That's what Jesus is saying here in Luke 16, is that if I can trust you with finances, then I can trust you with spiritual wealth as well. And some of you just want the spiritual wealth, but you're not faithful with the finances that God has given you. And finances are actually the kindergarten of the kingdom. You see, some of you want to to experience supernatural gifting. You want to lay your hands on people so they'll be healed. And I believe by the spirit of God in you, you can do that. But you're having trouble stewarding that because you haven't learned in the kindergarten of the kingdom how to steward your finances. Some of you have prophetic words over your lives that you could hardly believe and you've been trying to make it happen on your own, but you won't trust God in the place of your finances and you don't know why you're stuck. You see, when we allow God to partner with us in our finances, when we allow our minds to shift and recognize that everything is spiritual, that everything he's given to us and we're learning how to steward it, that he's not leaving us as orphans, but he's actually walking the process with us, what we find is that there's actually life in the responsibilities that he gives to us. Stewardship is not simply about treasure. It's a whole life issue. 
Jesus goes on to say, you can't serve two masters. What he's saying here is you can't serve two masters. So if you serve the right one, then you use money to serve him. So you actually serve God with your finances, but you can throw your time, your talent, your treasure, you can throw all of that in that category and say, okay, all of my life is used to serve him. Okay. I'm not done preaching. I don't know what that's about, but it did snooze. So hold on just a second. And so when it comes to finances, we use, we don't serve money, but we actually use our money to serve Jesus. You see, some of you have been living life working for money. And it's a trap. Here's why it's a trap because it has your eye on the wrong prize. We're supposed to do everything for God, not for money. The, the second reason why it's a trap is that when you work for money, you don't think about how to make money work for you. You see, my money is actually an army. Some of you have bigger armies than others. My money is actually an army and I'm the general and I get to tell it where to go. And so it's kind of like this. God is king. He's entrusted me to be a, a general and then he's given me money that are my soldiers. And so I use my soldiers to serve the king and I tell it where to go in order to serve him best. I love this, Robert Kiyosaki, he's the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's a book that's worth reading. He says this, working all your life for money actually reveals that you worship money. Some of you are like, oh, I'm offended now. <laughs> it's all right, let it hurt a little bit. Working all your life for money actually reveals that you worship money. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't work hard, and I'm not saying don't make money. What I am saying is that you need to get a hold of the reality that there is something much bigger on your life, something way bigger that you were created for than money. And, and when you get a hold of that, then you're gonna use your time and your talent in such a way that amasses incredible treasure that is a blessing to nations and generations that honors God. There's nothing wrong with making money. That's not what I'm saying. I believe that it is a tool that God has entrusted to us and wants us to grab a hold of rightly so that we can learn what it means to disciple nations. But if, if we don't know how to steward that, then we'll never know how to steward everything else that God wants to entrust to us. And I believe the call for us, Sozo, is that we would learn how to steward money in such a way that it actually blesses God and that it changes culture. 
Go with me to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to pick up in verse 14. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold. To another he gave two bags. To another one bag, each according to his ability. Let me just address that. Some people think, well, why do some people have this much talent or this much opportunity or this much whatever? And what God does is he entrusts to you according to your ability. He actually wants to give you more, but he's not giving you so much that it would overwhelm you. So instead of getting stuck in the trap of comparison, recognize that God's good. He knows what I need. He's entrusted to me according to my ability so that I'll have enough for every good work and so that I won't have so much that it'll crush me. Now, I still have a choice to make in there, but he's given to me what I need for what I'm called to in this moment. And so I don't have to go down the road of comparison with finances, but instead I just recognize that God is really good. Okay, so he gave each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. Say his money to work. I think one of the things that we need to grab a hold of, doesn't matter how old you are, that God wants to, I believe that God wants to show his people how to not just put their bodies to work or their minds to work, but also how to put their money to work. Okay? And it may start with $10. It may start with $10,000, but God wants to show you how to put your money to work. Not just you to go to work, but so that your money would go to work. So also the one with two bags, he gained two more, but the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Some people with a misplaced perception of sovereignty have been hiding their time, their talent, their treasure in the ground and expecting God to multiply it. You see, when we, when we think God is in control, so if he wants me to prosper, if he, if he wants my gifting to come alive, if he wants my finances to be blessed, then he's just going to do it to me. So I can actually just hide it in the ground and it'll multiply. But when we begin to recognize that God is actually after partnership, then we realize that he's not saying just sit on my talent. Some of you have, you have gifts that need to be offered to God. All of you have gifts that need to be offered to God. Some of you have been hiding it in the ground and saying, if God wants to bring that to life, then he's just going to do it. And God is saying, stop hiding your gifts in the ground and do something with what I've already entrusted to you. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled those 
accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man and harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take this bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever, whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them and, th- and throw, out this, throw that worthless servant outside in the darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Dallas Willard says this, all human trouble comes from thinking of God wrongly. Let that sink in. All human trouble comes from thinking of God wrongly. That third servant, the the lazy one, his problem wasn't simply in his practice and what he did. His problem was in his mindset. What are the mindsets that are keeping you from seeing God rightly? What are the the mindsets that are keeping you from seeing what he has entrusted to you and doing something with it, it, making it multiply? When we understand God rightly, when we enter into relationship with him and begin to discover him, it's not just a theological exercise, it's a relationship where I come to know God rightly, then what happens is that my thinking comes into alignment with his ways and I begin to see life flow from him. When I misunderstand his nature, it will always put my life in a mess. I'll either hoard, thinking I've got to take care of myself, or I'll splurge, thinking I've got to spend it while I have it so I can get what I won't have otherwise. But when I recognize that he's good, then I can be a conduit of the grace and the life that he entrusts to me, and I can watch it multiply. another thought for you. God is expecting a return on his investment. Like there's a day when Jesus comes back 
I believe the first question that Jesus asks is, do I know you? Right? And then we know this, because he has separated our sin as far as the east is from the west, if we pass that first question, he's not bringing up what he has already forgotten, right? So some of you are afraid of a judgment day where God puts up a big projector screen and recalls everything bad that you've done. He's already forgotten that. He's, he's separated that from you. That's good news. Just to me? Okay, I like it. Is that good news? All right, there we go. But I do believe that God is going to ask you this question. What did you do with what I gave you? What would you do with the grace that was on your life? What would you do with the years that I entrusted to you? What would you do with your, with your kids? What would you do with your grandkids? What would you do with that talent? What did you do with that incredible intellect that I gave you? With the opportunity, I pushed your way. What did you do? And here's what God is looking for. He's looking for faithful people. I want to challenge your definition of faithfulness. You see, a lot of times we think of faithfulness as holding on tight to make it to the end. Right? Like that person's really faithful because they show up all the time. God isn't looking simply for the ones that show up all the time. He defines faithfulness in a particular way here. Faithfulness is not determined by sticking it out. It's determined by multiplication. You see, the ones that were called faithful were not the ones that just held on to what they had until the end and made it, but the ones who were called faithful, those were the ones who actually took what was entrusted to them and multiplied it. You see, God's looking for a return on his investment in your life. Now, again, we're not simply talking about money, although it does include money, but he's looking for a return on, on the spiritual gifts that he's put in you, on the opportunity that he has paved for you. He is saying, I've put these relationships in your life. Did you leverage them for the cause of the kingdom? I'm not talking about using people. I'm talking about multiplying what God has entrusted to us. And when we begin to recognize that faithfulness is not just sticking it out, but faithfulness is actually multiplication, it changes the way that I live. Now, some of you will say this. Oh, that's going to lead me into striving. So, man, that guy, he's just, he's working so hard. He must be striving. The difference between hard work and striving is this. Striving is working for relationship. Hard work is working from relationship. And when I recognize that I am not trying to use my money to get into relationship with God, I'm not trying to use my talent, my intellect, my gifts, none of that is to get me into relationship with God. God wants just relationship with me. He just wants to walk with me. And then he wants to teach me as a father what it looks like to steward what he's entrusted to me. 
That's not striving. Our responsibility is to take what he's given us and put it to work. And I mean hard work. Not saying that you should derive your meaning or your value by what you do. There's a way better way to derive that. It's called from your sonship, from your daughterhood, from being in relationship with God. That's where your value should come from. Your value doesn't come from your bank account. Your security doesn't come from your finances. It comes from your relationship with God. And so when I recognize that what he's given to me is actually for me to steward, then I actually put it to work and I work hard with what God's given me. Somehow the church, because we haven't gotten the idea of sonship, We've tried to work for what we already have. And then we've called hard work striving. And we've got these two things going on. We've got like this kingdom workaholism thing and it needs to die. Because you'll never get your value out of what you do. Right? Like that's never going to produce life. But the other side, the side that maybe makes me more angry, and I believe it's a righteous anger, is this idea in the church that I'm just going to rest in God. And what that means is I believe that we always rest in God, but that I'm just going to let life come and I'm just going to take it as it comes and, and just not really do anything with life. God has entrusted his very self to you. The greatest thing you'll ever steward is his presence. And we recognize how to steward what God has entrusted to us so that it multiplies. That means that we do hard work. That means that in your 80 years or so, 90 years, I'm going for 120, however long you have, that you actually take what God has entrusted to you and you work hard to multiply it. Whatever grace is on your life, God wants to multiply it, but he wants you to steward it. He's not gonna give you so much that it will crush you. And so if you'll allow him to teach you what it looks like to steward it, then you'll find that you prosper. I love just to hit on that idea of faithfulness looking like multiplication, when Jesus tells the parable of the sower, the one that fell on good soil, it didn't say that it doubled. It says that it multiplied 30, 60, 100 fold. That's what God wants on your life. He wants a hundred fold investment from what he's put in you. He wants you in your life to lead 100 people to Jesus at least. He wants you in your life to take whatever wealth has come your way and you may not have been handed anything, but he wants to multiply it to be a blessing to generations. Proverbs says that a good man, not a wise man, 
Simply a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. We have to begin to think generationally, church. We have to begin to think, how can I bless generations that follow after me? Some of you are here, and I think there's one or two of you here that you would say, man, I just have not been stewarding my life well. In fact, I don't even know Jesus. Like I, I realized that Joel's saying, hey, I should submit to Jesus and he's gonna walk with me and he's gonna teach me and I do everything from relationship. But you would actually say, I don't, I don't have relationship with Jesus. I believe that Jesus wants to step into your life today. That today is the day to give your life to Jesus, to come under his leadership, that he actually went to the cross because he loves you. And he gave his life to put you in relationship with the Father, to adopt you into his family, to remove aloneness and isolation from you, and to put his very spirit in you. And in a moment, our ministry team's gonna be up here, and if that's you, I'd encourage you to give your life to Jesus this morning. They would love to pray with you, set you out on your journey. It's the best decision you'll ever make, bringing your life under the lordship of Jesus. Also just sense that there's some folks here who are really hopeless when it comes to finances. Like the, the fact that I started talking about money made you just want to get up and walk out. And I, I believe that oftentimes there's even a generational thing, generational mindset handed down and it creates a stronghold in us. And we vacillate between idolatry, exalting money to this place that it should never be, that we'd get our meaning, our security, our life from it. And it goes from there to like trying not to care at all about money because you recognize the bondage, but you're stuck in that thing. And I just believe God wants to break that off of you. In fact, if you're in that place, would you have the courage just to stand? And I just wanna pray for you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hands on your head. And Jesus, I just, I, I thank you that you are showing us right now how to renew our minds to come into alignment with the way that you think. Say, if, if, if you're standing, if you're praying, would you just say, Jesus, would you teach me how to see finances the right way? And in the name of Jesus, I just break off a poverty spirit. Well, here's what a poverty spirit does. It idolizes money and it leads you into brokenness. And I just declare over you that there is no lack because your father is good. So we just break off those lies and I declare over you 
the abundant prosperity of the king. And it doesn't start in your bank account, it starts in your mind. Some of you have not been able to hold on to money. And it's just been really, really difficult. In fact, everywhere that you've gone, it's like you end up with hospital bills and you end up with car wrecks and you end up just with life being a mess. And I just break that off of you. Remind me of your name, Donna. Donna, I just see that God is, he is radically changing your relationship with money and he's gonna change your financial condition. So Lord, I just thank you that you want to bless Donna. Lord, I thank you that you see her. And Lord, that you have really good things in store for her. I just wanna pray for all of you that God would bless you. For anyone that wants to be blessed by God, if that's you, would you just stand? This is the time to stand, by the way, just throwing that out there. Like, if you're not standing, we, we need to do some more ministry with you. And Lord, I just thank you that every good and perfect gift comes from you. Lord, I thank you that you are really good. And Lord, I pray for our church family, Lord, for everybody here in person, online, Lord, I pray that you would first change our relationship with money. We declare Jesus that you're the Lord of our lives. And Lord, we ask now that you would father us, that you would teach us how to use all that you've entrusted to us for your glory and for our good. God, it's our desire that we would be a blessing to nations and to generations. So Lord, I just release on those standing here, those at home, if you're at home, stand up too. Just a blessing from their Father in heaven. I just declare over you that you are blessed. And that your blessing isn't about perfectionism, it's not about getting everything right, but it's about the hand of God on your life. ministry team, you guys can come forward. These folks would love to pray with you. Maybe you're just really struggling around finances. They would love to pray with you. They'd also love to pray with you if you want to give your life to Jesus. They'd love to pray with you to be healed in your body. I feel like there's somebody that has major issues in your toes and God wants to heal your feet. In fact, I believe there's actually a word that goes with that, that there is a a call for you to carry the good news and it'll be confirmed by God healing your foot. And I believe also that God wants to heal. Somebody's got hearing loss in the right ear and I believe that God wants to heal that. We say this, it doesn't take a a word of knowledge from me for you to get healed. 
Like God is, He's already paid for your healing. And so if you need healing in any area of your life, they would love to pray for you. Amen.